Yesterday's concert is a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Grab your earplugs for another episode of Yesterday's Concert, a podcast that celebrates live music. My name is Lance Ingram, and in this episode we talk to Sammy Clay from the band Mapache. We discuss their new album, Swinging Stars, and the recording process that got them there. Plus we talk about their instrument selection to perfectly accentuate their music. I'm here with Mapache. Guys, you want to introduce yourselves? Hi, this is Clay. And this is Sam. Thanks, guys. I'm excited to talk about your new album, Swinging Stars. But first, as is tradition on the show, we like to start with a few icebreakers. So my first one for you, because you guys have such beautiful harmonies, I want to know, who are your favorite harmonizers? Hmm. That's a tough one. I guess off the top of my head, some that come to mind are Crosby, Stills, and Nash. And uh, Living Brothers, yeah. like Living Brothers. Mm, the, good one. The impressions. Good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I say those are the ones that come to mind right off the bat. I love it. And Sam, was that you that said the Leuven Brothers? Yeah. Man, it's a great choice. It's yeah, it's hard that's, to I, think of. I typically don't, I have never thought of the group specifically as harmonizing groups ne- necessarily. Um, that's cool. So it's kind of takes a second to think about it. Mostly just, I feel like we're just inspired by different songs and records, you know, and groups. But thinking specifically about harmonizers, I think the Living Brothers come to mind. I love it. That's good. That's I was I asked another band that same question a couple of days ago, and we started talking about the Eagles and just how amazing the fact that they could still harmonize after they brought Joe Walsh in. And it's just such a, it was, you know, it was no small feat to get him to harmonize yeah. with their already beautiful harmonies. And so that's what, when I started listening to you guys, I was like, oh, we gotta, we gotta see what they think about all this too. So yeah, it's amazing it. they could harmonize after all that nose candy too. <laughs> I'm sure they don't know what you're talking about. So, but okay. So next question, you, you obviously draw from Neil Talk. Young. So I'm curious, what's one Neil Young song that you would like to steal, put your name on it and say that you wrote and produced, put it out into the world? Damn. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any that I would want to do that with. Whoa. As, really? As many, I mean, there's a lot of songs by Neil Young that I love, but I don't think any, any that I would want to uh, change or to make my own in any way. You know, I think they're pretty untouchable, a lot of them. I'm, I mean, more in the sense of like, you, you take everything Neil did. And you put your name on it. It's yours to claim as your own. You don't have to change anything. Like, it's just yours as Neil wrote yeah. it. Something that you're so proud of, like, or so amazed by that he wrote, you would love yeah. to claim as your own. You know, what do you think, Clay? Do you have a favorite that you would pick for I, that? I think I would steal Long May You Run. <laughs> mm. I didn't That's know that song one. was about a car for a long time. And I learned that it was about a car and it, it blew my mind again. I mean, I just think it's a great. That is a good one. I'd I mean, take how that much one of too. Neil's how much of Neil's discography has to be about cars? I mean, he's got entire albums named after cars. I mean, yeah. he's got to be up there with them. I he definitely steal one of his cars. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So, Sam, are you sticking to it? You're not going to claim one. Oh, I, I'll either do "Long May You Run" or any one of his cars. Okay, I'll take it. 
All right. So last one. And because I know you guys are also Grateful Dead fans, uh, I want to know what's the best year of Grateful Dead live performances, in your opinion? Hmm. Oh, man, I'm really bad at this. I don't, I don't know much about the years, particularly. Um, is, are you, what about, could we look at it as like pianist? Would pianist help? Oh, uh, yeah. I think um, I really like the pig pen years. Really? I think he's, uh, yeah, I think he's probably my favorite pianist but i don't really know all of them i there i think there were a lot of pianists in that group like over the years a lot to pick yeah. from but yeah the, the three yeah. main one were like Pigpen, keith and brent were kind of the three main ones and then you had you know revolving door especially in the night like late 80s early 90s and things like that yeah but yeah I, I can totally get behind Pigpen. clay what about you and that's to say 73 74 mm. what about but it's uh, hard about i do time? like i like the pig pen stuff but but i feel like they were just making really sweet music then it was like still had the rawness and mm. but it i felt like seemed like everybody i mean i have no idea but it seemed like everybody was still like really stoked and like no one was getting too fucked up on hard drugs or anything and like seemed like a very positive time and you can kind of hear it in the music yeah and I like in the that playing is just insane yeah i like that answer that's i was listening to a 73 show just the other day and i was just thinking about like what a great time in the band that was really good answer so, they just released like this demo of eyes of the world it's really cool i i saw that i was gonna look into it i think they're reissuing the whole album somehow are doing like a bunch of demo bonus content or something with it. I was looking at that. That's pretty cool. That I think they've done it for a couple of the albums so far. I think it's like just... the 50 year anniversary. Okay. You know, we're kind of yeah. going through it now. Like it's, it's it'll be 50, 2073. It'll be 50 years ago this year. So I think, gosh, that's crazy. Yeah. Cool. Well, so to talk about you guys instead of some other bands for a minute, I want to talk about the new album. I've, thoroughly enjoyed it i think it's perhaps your best one yet there's a lot of versatility on it but still staying fairly consistent through all five of your records um but reading kind of up about the history of it and stuff I, you haven't talked too extensively about it but can you tell me you went to a specific location to record it can you kind of give me the story of going there and why you chose this place and all that kind of stuff yeah it's uh Sis studio up in Marin, in West Marin, in, in Stinson Beach. And it's a, it's a really cool studio, kind of living. It's like a converted, it's an old house that they converted into a music studio. And yeah, it's just in a pretty unreal location, like geographically. It's kind of on a hill overlooking West Marin and the ocean. Hmm. And yeah, it's just a really vibey place to be. And and it's cool that you get to, everyone sleeps there. So, so everyone is, is under arrest. No one can leave. Everyone is fully invested. No one can, you know, no one gets to like dip out and go make dinner. It's fun. Everyone fully arrested. Together. And uh, yeah, no, <laughs> it's, it's a cool spot. And they, so how, uh, they how long will you? It, it definitely would be the setting of a sort of musical band related horror film. <laughs> Like the um, the Studio Six Six Six, the Foo Fighters put out. 
Oh yeah, I never saw that, but probably along the same lines. There's like a reverb dungeon that looks pretty dungeony. No, like it's literally just made for reverb. Tell me about this. That's amazing. I think it's just. Am I remembering this wrong, Clay? I think it's like where the reverb tank is or something. The original house was built by like kind of a eccentric, kind of half crazy veteran guy, and that was when the hills of like West Moran. Or well, they're I suppose always kind of vulnerable for attacks, like from any anyone coming from the east. Like there's all these crazy old gun turrets and stuff up there. So there's a huge tunnel, and I think it's like an escape tunnel or like you know a nuclear bomb shelter or like it's just a crazy long cement underground tunnel, you know, for escaping or like you know being paranoid or or just being really scary. Or reverb. So what, I mean, I mean, that sounds kind of horrifying. So what are the vibes in this building? I mean, were you picking up on some of that kind of stuff? I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty, it's transformed a lot since then. I think it's like pretty, it's pretty like pleasant location to be now. Not a lot of paranoia or, you know, things of that nature, but I think it was built probably on those vibes, but it's no, it's very, very peaceful place. No bad spirits that I could detect. I got you. It was That's cool. It was good. Yeah. Well, how, so how long were y'all there? Did y'all, let me re- ask this. Did y'all write and record there or just record there? Just record. Okay. We so were the songs for, were done uh, when you went into it. Yeah. Songs were done. We rehearsed them before and then we went up for like, what was it? Five days or six days, I think. Yeah. And we just did it mostly live and then overdubbed a few little things here and there. So how much did the, the atmosphere of that place influence. Did I mean did, did it change any of the songs that you had already had done, or did you feel the influence of the space around you, or was it? I mean, just a good, comfy space to get it done. I think it fit the vibes that we had written down. I think that it fit our personalities well and fit sort of the energy of the band at the time. So the songs we had written kind of mended nicely with the location. It just um, kind of accentuated the music. Sure. Yeah. I mean, we had written everything beforehand, so it was very much sort of just went in there to sort of lay them down. But I think, you know, we chose that place pretty much purely on its location because of how special it is up there. But, you know, as a studio itself, it's nothing like extraordinarily state of the art or, you know, anything that you can't find necessarily anywhere else except for where it's located and the scenery that's around it. So we definitely used used it for that. And the songs we had, I think, were a good fit for it, you know. Well, the the reason I ask that is because, I mean, it's such a, it's an atmospheric album. And and I don't necessarily mean so much on the, the production side of it, like, you know, like a lot of kind of like throwback or retro bands kind of do. Uh, but it's it's got a lot of as- atmospheric aspects to it that really stand out. And that's, I just wondered how much of that played into it in the recording process, but it sounds like a lot of that was already there before you got into the building. Yeah, I'd say that's true. So, I mean, let's think, let's talk about it like this then. So I read that as you guys were writing the album, you were living in separate cities. So this is one of the projects where you kind of wrote everything separately rather than doing it all together. Is that true? Or how did y'all write the album? Yeah, pretty much. Most of the material I think was written individually and then, we sort of brought it together and finished up certain ideas. Some of them stayed completed as they were before, and then 
we sort of like fleshed some of the other ones out. It's fleshed out, right? That's the way you say that? I like think so. Flesh? That sounds good. I'm never we'll saying that it. again. I didn't even realize that was <laughs> flesh. That's horrible. Yeah, we just left some of the ideas together, but yeah. yeah, I feel like whenever we, you know, if we're playing together, there's always we always kind of like add everybody adds something. So, so yeah, but mo- most of the songs were written more individually. But yeah, yeah, everybody, can, you know, Sam will always add, you know, a harmony or like you know, everyone's us all play a guitar thing or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but and it, I, I asked that because I mean, you each kind of have your own individualistic style. When you like when you go your own way, and and I kind of detected some of that in this album that it, it shines a little bit more on this album than the previous works, and so that's I was just curious about how how you kind of brought that together into the band and how that gelled and how you still made such a cohesive album even with bringing your own individualistic styles when you wrote separately this time. So can you speak to that? Well, I was just gonna say that I think it's compared to a lot of our other records it feels a bit more eclectic and it's different styles and sort of different personalities so it feels very much like uh, collaborative in the sense that each a lot there's a lot of like individuality brought together on it you know and since it is one that was mostly like created or, or written separately there's a lot of sort of <clears throat> individual personalities from each member of the band that sort of come out in different ways and that that's kind of a new type of collaboration that we hadn't really done before that I feel like was notable on this one. I was just going to say, I just feel like we've been playing together for so long. We've, we, we know each other pretty well at this point that I feel like the cohesiveness is kind of natural, no matter like how the songs kind of come to be, you know, I feel like we just complement each other. Well, um, you know, we've just been playing together for so long that, think it's pretty easy for us to gel mm. yeah at this point we pretty much finished each other's sentences good job way to go guys i like that well that's i mean that's what so what i'm wondering is when you as you're writing knowing that you're writing songs for this project do you have the mentality of like hey clay's going to be able to add this or sam's going to be able to add this is that something that you're consciously aware of as you're writing or is it more just let the muse take control and see what happens and then bring it to the band and work it out from there. Uh, it kind of depends, I guess, but I can definitely think of plenty of times where I thought this is where, where Sam will come in and, you know, clean this up or, you know, finish this or fix this, or he'll have an idea how to do that. I think it's, I think a lot of it is we know how each other works musically. And so when we do bring it together, it, it seems quite natural that things get fleshed out but i think we're not super conscious or you know not always thinking about it in the moment when we're writing i think we're kind of just let it go and just sort of experiment and come up with something and then bring it together and then it sort of unfolds naturally yeah let's i want to go back to kind of the atmospherics of the album you know like i was kind of talking about like you have some of these retro artists that use so much production value and getting that sound but with you guys it really feels like it's more the instrumentation like there's one song that has a wind instrument pretty heavily featured and the piano throughout and then even just like the pedal steel so i was wondering if you could talk about the use of instruments as you're writing these songs to kind of create that atmosphere that you're 
your that just kind of envelops your sound i mean i guess i would just say it's like it's it's not necessarily like a a vintage sound that we're going for but just you know more turns out that like our favorite instruments and sounds were more popular maybe at a different time like mm-hmm. uh, like i i just love the sound of pedal steel guitar mm-hmm. and and so it, i just want to hear it and use it in songs just because i love it not maybe as much because it will give it like a 70s vibe or something although right. i suppose it does because you know there was a lot of pedal steel and big songs in the 70s but i, I would just say I, I think it's more of a just like a musical kind of i don't know kind of intuitive leaning let me sound that let me ref- let me reframe that question a little bit for you I'm not necessarily meaning like in the vintage sound. I'm thinking of another interview I did with the Ruin Brothers where they have a very like 1950s kind of sound to them. And they use a lot of production techniques to get that sound. And I was using that as an example. I'm thinking more of like you guys have like kind of a a, a westerny. It sounds like you're in the desert. It sounds like you're in a folk kind of environment. And so that's what I'm meaning when I talk about like the atmospherics of it. You're using the instruments to meet that sound if that makes sense does that make sense i'd say that's definitely accurate yeah we use yeah i mean i think each song calls for different instrumentation and we sort of take each one as they come and put the instruments on there as they feel right clay does that change kind of how you feel about the question I, i guess i would echo what sam says yeah okay well, as we kind of start to wrap up, I want to focus on two specific songs that really stood out to me. The first one was French Kiss. Great, catchy, hooky song. Can you kind of tell me the history of that song, how it kind of came to be? Yeah, I wrote that song in Long Beach when I was house-sitting for some good friends of mine that lived there. And they had a piano in their living room, and I didn't really have a piano where I was living, and I hadn't really messed around too much on the piano necessarily before that and so it was like i know i just sort of like had a nice little vacation getting to know the piano a little bit i don't know it just sort of came from that i think just having a new instrument was exciting to to mess around with you know i mean i had played a little piano before but but i had never really like written songs on pianos or anything like that and so it was just kind of a fun new brand new thing to sort of experiment with and i think that maybe has some sort of exciting fun you know upbeat energy in it from that maybe i don't know mm. were there any other songs that kind of flew out came out of that experience with the piano were there other songs that you thought hey man a piano would just really fit on this song because you had that time yeah in that week or so that i was staying there in that same week i think i there's another song called ghosts that i wrote on there mm. on that same piano in that same time trying to think of what else is on the record there were a handful that sort of just came out of that little week so yeah it it sort of was a look i think because it was so new it was just like very felt very fresh and was sort of easy to i don't know felt all these new ideas coming out since it was such a new experience on a new instrument you know well that's ghost was actually the other song that i want to talk about because it has such a has such like a jammy vibe to it not like in the sense of like a jam band but it's like a I mean, it's very much like a Neil Young, you know, tonight's the night kind of thing or, you know, 
Tom Fades mm-hmm. Away kind of vibe to it. And so it's, I was just wondering where the looseness and everything of that song came from. Well, that one we did live. I mean, most of the songs we did fully live. Some of them had a few overdubs in there, but that one I think was fully live, if I'm not mistaken. But so I think that gives it that kind of, you know, the energy you're talking about, very loose and sort of a bit sort of rowdy and kind of not fully reined in. And so we we kind of liked that vibe going into it. We were sort of hoping to get that kind of energy on the recording. So that's that's kind of why we went about it that way. And so did you say you wrote it that same weekend when you were house sitting or was it just kind of something like yeah. later? Okay. So it was okay. Yeah, no, it was, that was there were a handful that were in that same week, the French kiss and that one. Was it just those two or were there other ones? I can't remember. I don't even know what I feel like this th- this record was so long ago now, it feels like I have to like revisit the track listing, although I don't even can't remember what happened like people, a month ago. People, so. please. I think that one was actually was. Maybe it's just those two. I don't know. But I feel like there was. I don't know. I mean, Maybe how long uh, ago did y'all record this? Was a while ago. A year and a half ago? Oh, yeah. Wow. Why have you been sitting on it for so long? It just takes a while for everything to come into. If it, if it was possible, I think we'd get it out soon. You know, mm-hmm. soon as we record it, basically. But. Yeah, I think just with label stuff and gotcha. yeah, just ends up taking a little while. Was so it in are... February? I think right, we recorded it February of twenty twenty. Sounds right. Yeah. So you probably had a lot of these songs written in twenty one, right? Some of them I think in twenty twenty, and some oh. of them in twenty twenty one, and then recorded them in early twenty twenty two, and they're coming out late summer twenty twenty three. I mean, as an artist, so the how sausage is yeah, I mean, but like as an artist, how does it feel to sit on the songs for that long and to have that kind of long of a process? I mean, like you said, you didn't even remember, you don't even remember what the track listing is. How, I mean, do you feel a disconnect from your art in that? No, I think it's, I mean, we've, we've kind of accepted at this point that that's, you know, it takes some time to get things out to the world and it's still new to a lot of people that have never heard it. And for us, we just you know, keep going. It doesn't like slow us down or anything. We just keep writing and making new stuff. But, the only problem is we can't remember too well what we did, you know, two years later. But other than that, I mean, it's, it's okay. I mean, we've kind of accepted the timetable and we just keep writing and keep making new stuff. And, you know, mm. we get it out when so, we I mean, can. So I guess you're already working on LP6 then, I, I can assume. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, there you go. Well, so, I mean, We're sort of always about... just working on new stuff, so. Good. Wherever it ends up, LP6 or LP7 or whatever, we've got, we're always kind of working on songs. It's just kind of what we do. I got you. Well, since both of those songs were Sam songs, Clay, did you did What a Summer, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, tell me. Yeah, that one is just kind of a song about just reflecting on your life, like kind of when you, when you wake up in the morning and you're kind of like still half asleep and you have that ability to like recall like you get flashes of of memory that are super vivid you know like old houses that you lived in or you know just like weird really vivid memories and yeah and and it was just kind of like you know crazy pandemic times and just kind of uh, reflecting on the kind of overwhelming 
just like, you know, state of the world. And, and yeah, just reflecting on, on life. It was just kind of a song about memories, I guess. Hmm. Is that yeah. kind of a, a general theme you find yourself riding in? Yeah, I think so. What do you think it is about that kind of area that attracts you to songwriting? I think it's kind of like a soft spot, or, you know, like a sweet place or, you know, nostalgia and yeah, you know, memories and it's usually the stuff that's significant or that you would want to write a song about is the kind of stuff that sticks with you, you know, that you'd want to, yeah, the kind of stuff that you think about when you sit down and you are starting to write kind of stuff that comes up, you know? Well, and that makes me wonder, going back to your comment about pedal steel, you just saying you like pedal steel, so you want to include it in your songs. I mean, I mean is that kind of the same nostalgia attachment, you think? I just think pedal steel is really emotive and, and, and just a really pretty instrument. Mm-hmm. I don't think I necessarily like it for a nostalgic effect, but more that it just has this kind of like singing quality. Maybe you heard a lot of steel in the womb. I suppose that's possible. Maybe it's your, a past uh, life. Will your parents listen to a lot of new writers of the Purple Sage or that band? Not really. Well, guys, as we as we wrap up, I just want to say thank you for chatting today. Swinging Stars is fantastic. It's a great addition to your discography. I think people are going to love it. So I just want to say thanks for chatting today. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for chatting with us. Absolutely. I'm Lance Ingram, and this is Yesterday's Concert. Thanks for listening to another episode of my show. For more live music podcasting, check out our other show, Jam Journals. If you're feeling kind, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And check us out on all the social media platforms. Email us at info at yesterdaysconcert.com or visit our website, yesterdaysconcert.com. So until next time, give us a subscribe, tell your friends, and most importantly, take care of your shoes. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.